Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you today. Would you stand with us, please? We are going to worship the Lord in song, and God knows we are here to celebrate this time of year. Amen?
Currently, there are 27 children at the orphanage, and also they assist 70 children, which are considered outreach children, uh, with such things as some food uh, assistance and also schooling. This past year, they are able to complete the girls' dorm at the orphanage. Also, they were able to buy school supplies for the children, footwear, uh, uniforms for the new children that have come into the fold. They replaced a water line uh, at the orphanage property, and then also... They're able to have a Thanksgiving celebration feast, and our church helped with the ice cream, soft drinks, and many other items for the Thanksgiving celebration. And they had that for about 350 people uh, this November. Also, with our Vacation Bible School this year, we were able to buy eight piglets uh, for the orphanage and also food for three months. And the purpose of that is this. They recently sold those pigs. Out of the profits, uh, they will be able to use that for operating uh, monies. And then in January, they're going to buy more piglets, more food, and uh, it'll just continue a cycle for a little livelihood project. And by the way, the girls took care of four of the pigs uh, at the orphanage. We'd like you to enjoy this little presentation about the fold.
that about once a week because uh, that's uh, that's what we're doing here through our birthday gift to Jesus offering uh, those little kids just break your heart they have no mom or dad and the orphanage took them in and and uh, they're raising up kids uh, and uh, I don't think we could do enough for them really you know Jesus said inasmuch as you've done it unto one of these the least my children you've done it to me and so when we provide the needs or, uh, for some of those kids, uh, I, the, the Lord, uh, we made a great connection with God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, please pull out the uh, little black folder in the back of the book rack, uh, as you always do, and put your name on that, please. We're praying about uh, our part now, and uh, we're going to have to pray this year. Uh, really as powerfully as we can in order to reach our goal for our birthday gift to Jesus offering. Uh, you know what uh, the final number is up there at the top. Right now we're at about 17,000, which I'm pretty pleased with. Uh, let's all, everybody in this auditorium, just pray about your part. Lord, what would you have me to do? Maybe the Lord's got something special for you to do this year. Maybe you can look through that list and find something on there and say, listen, we'll make this a family project. Uh, we'll spend less. We'll give more to the missionary offering. And uh, let's just all just continue to, uh, to make this an item of prayer. Uh, you know, because what we do here is going to last for a long time. And uh, I know you know the value of it. Pray about your part. Give more to Jesus than any other single person on your gift list. You know, give gifts to other people, but put Christ right at the top. Uh, and then uh, give by faith, and then thank the Lord that uh, we could be on the giving end of this because uh, it's more blessed to give than receive. But, you know, I don't want us to ever look down upon the projects that we give to, to because, you know, when you go on a missionary trip, you find out that they have riches that we don't have. You know, we, the, the Americans come galloping in, and here we are to save the day. And before you leave, after a week or two weeks of visiting the mission field, you think, boy, I just wish I had what they had. Uh, they don't have the material things that we have, but, boy, they have a connection with God unlike anything else. And so don't ever look at them uh, look down. Uh, they are uh, people that are really close to God, and, and we learn a lot from them. Um, this weekend is a big weekend coming up at the church, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday. We just have a few tickets left out in the foyer after the service. Uh, and when they're, well, they'll be gone, and, and we'll fill this auditorium up three times, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. I just want to ask you, wherever you are on one of those nights or, or during those nights, I want you to just think about what's going on up here because we're doing it for Jesus uh, sometimes God surprises us and 
people walk out of here and they'll say, I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior tonight. And that's great. We want that. But sometimes it's just to, to light a little fire in a person's heart, just a little spark that will one day uh, blaze up into a, a great fire. And uh, they're going to be a wonderful servant of the Lord. That's why we do it. You know, we cultivate, we plant, and we do a little reaping. And so you pray for everybody that's a part of the program, okay? And just just beseech God to move down upon this presentation in the most powerful way ever this year. If you'll do that, uh, I'm sure God will be pleased. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning, and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love, and I just uh, pause to thank you for all of these projects and these people, these kids that you've uh, led us to, the, to help them at this Christmas time here from our church. We pray that you will expand our heart, uh, expand uh, our vision, Lord, uh, to reach over there across the, across the oceans uh, into the lives of these precious people. Uh, in various different lands and places. Uh, pour out, open our hearts, Lord, uh, to be the kind of person that we need to be this, this Christmas in giving. And now we come to meet the needs of the church. We pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
such a tiny offering compared to Calvary. And nevertheless, we lay this at your feet. Christmas. That's what we want our service themes for December, to have a simple Christmas. And uh, then I found out that Christmas isn't always simple now, is it? Um, As I started to raise my family, I've tried to make my own family traditions. When I was a kid, my parents put up a live Christmas tree every year. So I decided that as, uh, as I would start our Christmas traditions as our family, we would have a live tree every year. So, uh, 
you know, I still take my teenage daughters out to get that live tree. And it's like, I'm the only one having fun when we go to this, you know? <laughs> Why is it that I'm pushing everybody and I'm Mr. Christmas at this house, you know? It's like, Dad, that was fun when we were five. And I'm like, no, it's fun all the time. We are going to have fun. So I made an edict that we would have fun. And uh, so simple Christmas uh, isn't, it's not always simple when you're trying to make things happen, I found. I remember uh, years ago, Jim Watts used to tell me to go cut my own tree down. So he had a place, he told me to go, and I went and I bought the tree, and I was all happy. And, but, you know, I got it home, the, the trunk is like this, you know, they're never straight, those homegrown trees. And, uh, and so I took it, I put it up, put it in a stand, Rhonda would beautifully decorate it. We come home from work two days later, and I literally, we found the tree, fell over, out of the stand, ornaments broken, it was, it was not fun. Um, Christmas was not meant to be that complicated. It's meant to be simple. And so our service themes uh, for December is Simple Christmas. Today we're going to talk about how to have a simple faith. We're going to look at the life of Mary and Joseph. And if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. God's idea of Christmas was simple. He sent Jesus to come to the earth. And that was the whole purpose of Christmas, was to redeem you and to redeem me. That is why he came to this earth. So I want you to think this morning with me about a simple faith as we look at the life of Mary and Joseph. And as we think about Mary and Joseph, um, I want you to remember that the story isn't about them. It was about, about Jesus. But they were certainly key players in the story. So let's begin. Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to be married, uh, whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want you to think with me about Mary. Here's Mary going along, and she's, uh, she is a person of faith. That's the first point in your notes this morning. Mary and Joseph both feared the Lord. They had a fear of the Lord. They, they loved Him. They had a reverence for Him, and they respected everything about a relationship with God. And as we look at the passage this morning, I want to remind you that Mary had known the Old Testament. She grew up in a Jewish family. 
They had been, they had been taught all the, uh, the, the scriptures, and she knew verses like from Isaiah, like, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. She knew of her need for a Savior. She had a desire for her Savior. She knew what, was, what the Scripture had taught about her relationship with God, and she was seeking a relationship with God. She had a relationship with the Father. She was, uh, she was betrothed to, to be married to Joseph. And there were several parts to a Jewish marriage in that day. You had, uh, basically, there were kind of three parts. The, the first one was like the prearrangement. Um, where, where the families come together and they said, yes, we agree, this is a good thing, we're going to agree upon this marriage, and there's an announcement made. And then it went, the next part was the, what the Scripture calls betrothed. We would refer to that today as engagement, but it was a step higher than engagement. It was more like a, a legal act. It was a legal part of the marriage. And the only way that you could get out of a betrothment, out of this engagement period, was to either be divorced or to die. It was a very serious situation. You didn't just say, okay, well, we're going to call this off now. Uh, you made a commitment, and this was part of the commitment for the future, to, to, uh, to, for the future wedding that would come. The betrothment would actually last about nine months to 12 months, so roughly a year that, uh, that they would wait. They would live in separate homes. There was no physical relation at that point. And uh, as a matter of fact, they would probably live with their mother and with their father, and, uh, with, uh, each, each person with their parents, mother and father, and then, uh, but they're separated, and sometimes it would be many miles apart. So here is Mary. She comes. She's a young woman. She's in this engagement period, this legal engagement to Joseph. She's planning her future wedding. She's looking forward to her love of her life, Joseph. And all of a sudden comes along this, this angel. Gabriel comes to make an announcement to her. Now, it's the same angel that we saw last week when we were looking at uh, uh, with uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, we saw the, the angel Gabriel comes to her. This is six months earlier, the angel comes to, uh, to Zechariah, and the, they get the news that Elizabeth would have a baby. So now the angel comes over to Mary. And look what he says in verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And so she's obviously startled. She's, she's taken back by this, this angel that has come to, to be the messenger of God, to give her the good news. And he says, do not, verse 29, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And he proceeds to tell her the great news of what God is going to do. So the angel is with her and gives her this news. But one of the greatest parts I see in there is he says, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. When we have the presence of the Lord upon our, our walk, we have the presence of the Lord upon His plan in our life, we can actually accomplish what He's called us to do. And all the trials that may come in our way, all the things that separate us from, from what we think it ought to be, God says, I am with you. And I will help you to accomplish that plan. If you look in the Scripture, you see over and over Moses, and you see several of the, the characters of the Old Testament God kept telling them over and over, I am with you, and I will be with you. This is what he did for Mary. He said, and the Lord is with you. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. So this makes all the difference in the world. You know, sometimes we get excited about the Lord's presence. You know, this morning you came in and, 
You're singing, you're rejoicing unto the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, and we felt the presence of the Lord in this room. But when you go to work tomorrow morning, it's not so easy to feel the presence of the Lord, is it? Whenever it's a little bit harder, whenever you have to deal with a trial, whenever it's like, I don't like what I have to do. I don't like this. It's, it's messy out there. And so that's whenever we tend to not feel it. But God says that he is with you out there. It's not about a feeling. His presence is with you. I am with you. Uh, also, I want you to think about this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. It is in those valleys of our life. It's in those hard times, those trying times, that we tend to see God. And this is what was going to happen for Mary. She was going to go through a trying time. And as exciting as we look at the, the, the story of the nativity, we see Jesus coming. He becomes flesh and dwells among us. It was a hard time for Mary and for Joseph. This was the promise, that had, the long-awaited promise, the fulfillment of the promise of God. If you go back to Genesis 3.15, you'll see that God made a promise to the people. He said that to Adam and Eve, because Adam and Eve had sinned, that he promised that he would provide a way of escape. And that he would, he would take care of it, that Jesus would be the Redeemer one day. He didn't come out and say Jesus, but he says that the Redeemer would come, basically. And he talks about how that one day he would crush the head of the enemy, of the serpent. So he comes down, and that's what happened on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, the head of the enemy was crushed. But the heel of our Savior was bit on that cross, the brutal death. But Jesus conquered it all when he conquered the grave. And this is so exciting. That was the promise. Isaiah 7.14 was written 700 years before this. And here's the fulfillment. Let's read it together. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So God was at work. And Mary was, uh, Mary was there and God was working in Mary's life because God was about to do something really, really special. How can this be, she says, since I do not know a man? Her question was, I'll go along with this, but exactly how is this going to happen? Uh, I don't even have uh, a, a physical relationship with a man. Uh, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. God was about to do something supernatural. God was about to perform a miracle. And the angel informs Mary that God has done the great thing also in her cousin's life, Elizabeth. And, he t and the angel tells her, with God, nothing is impossible. Let's just read that verse together. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now that verse doesn't mean anything that you want to do will be impossible. It means God has a plan for your life. And as long as his presence is upon you, with God, it's not with me, with God, nothing will be impossible. So God is moving and he says, this is how this is going to work. I will do this work in you, Mary. God is going to perform something really supernatural. Mary responds, I am the servant of the Lord. I am the maidservant. The word used there is really like a slave. The idea of a slave. God, I am your slave. I will do whatever you want me to do. And then the angel's gone. 
And I thought, wow, wouldn't, wouldn't that be interesting? All of a sudden, you're living your life, and you're planning. She's planning her wedding and thinking about all the future things that are going to come. And then all of a sudden, an angel comes in and says, oh, change of plans. And God has a plan. And furthermore, uh, you're going to uh, have a baby. You're a virgin. You're going to have a baby without any physical relationships. And God's going to do this, and it's going to be something that only God can get the credit for. Now imagine what was going on in her heart. She has the encounter with, a, with, a, with Gabriel, and then the scriptures tell us that she goes over to her cousin's house. She goes over, verse 39 tells us that Mary hastily goes and visits to her cousin's uh, house, and she st- spends three months there. She's... Um, they have this great relationship. They're talking. And you could see, as you look through there, you see there's great joy. And Elizabeth confirms, yes, this is what God is doing. And she had something exciting happen in her life. God, did, God gave her uh, a son. She was six months pregnant at that point. So they, they have this great time. And I could just see Elizabeth and Mary talking about the things of God together. Saying, well, Mary, you do know that in Isaiah, it was foretold that the virgin would have a child. That's you. Of all the Jewish women, God chose you. And it was, it was because, not because of Mary. It was because of God. God had something really supernatural that he was going to do. This was his simple plan. Mary and Joseph were the people that were following God. As Elizabeth confirms, confirms us, they spend time together. But what is going on with Joseph? What is going on with Joseph? He's got something going on out there. Mary, she stops and she responds, and she, she responds to the Lord in praise. Verse 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior, for he has rewarded the lowliest state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. She knew that God was doing something, and God, she was getting to be a part of God's work that she would be part of an exciting thing. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. So she has this time of praise with the Father. She responds to God and worships him. And then she spends three months there. But what's going on with Joseph? Let's, let's look over, if you have your Bible, flip over also to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. What is going on with Joseph? Mary and Joseph both feared the Lord. And, uh, and let's just see in verse 18, Joseph's response. Matthew 1:18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord and the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, 
did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not till she had brought forth her first son and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Here Joseph responds. Joseph's response to, to, the, to the act that is going to happen. God is going to put this baby inside of Mary. His first initial thought is, wow, what's going on here? In your notes, the second point is Joseph and Mary had simple faith in a great God. They had simple faith in a great God. His first response was, God, really? What is happening here? And he goes through this, this turmoil and he goes through this emotions and, and all the different things that we'll look at in just a minute. But the bottom line was that Joseph too responded in faith. And he said, yes. He said, I will do what you've commanded to do. And he goes and he marries Mary. Joseph had to be filled with confusion, however. He had to be dealing with this hurt, with this doubt. And I want you to think what was going on in his mind before the angel came to him. The scripture says that he was going to just quietly put her away. Quietly divorce her and quietly put her away. And then the angel comes. But their simple faith helped him to overcome the challenges of life. That's the third point in our notes this morning. Simple faith overcomes the challenges of life. I want you to think of just a few of the challenges that this young couple had to face. The first challenge was that of age. Mary was just a young girl, a young teenage girl. She was uh, probably, scholars believe that she was probably around the ages of 14 to 18, right in that general area. So here's this young teenage girl, and it was, wasn't uncommon for a betrothal period for, for the, uh, somebody that age and for young women to get married in that day and that age. But uh, here, here she was. And she's a young teenage girl, and God says, I have a plan for you, and I'm going to do something in your life. And I'm going to put this baby inside of you. And I'm going to, I'm going to get all the glory. And so she stands back, and she's, she's just a young kid. Now think of the challenge of the age of somebody that young having something that heavy to deal with. She was planning to be a wife, not a mommy. That would come later. Instead, now she says, I guess I get to be a mommy, and my baby is from God. Mary, being so young, she surrendered her dreams. She had plans for her life. She had dreams of how she thought it should go, but God changed them, and she had simple faith in God. God said he would do it, so she simply responded to God, and God helped her to overcome that age factor. It was her dream factor. Um, teenagers, I want to encourage you in the church today. Our young people of our church, God has a plan for your life. Um, God doesn't say, hey, when you're 30, then you can do something for me. When you're 40, I'll have a bigger plan. No, he's got a big plan for you today, whatever age you are. Whether you're young, whether you're old, anywhere in between. If you're still alive, guess what? God has a plan for you. You are to be used by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is who God is, and this is how God works. So today, I want to encourage the young people of our church, don't wait. Don't say, when I get older, I'll be able to do that. I'll serve the Lord after I've done these things. You may not make it to that point in life. If you don't give your heart to God now, you may not have those moments later to serve Him. None of us know the day or the hour that we'll depart from this earth. But you can serve Him now. 
And God wants to give you the greatest joy. You know, some of the greatest joys of my life have been in serving the Lord. While I was part of our church here, um, functioning and giving the, the energy of my youth to God, and now I continue to serve. And same with everyone in our church. We want to encourage you. Continue to serve the Lord, regardless of the, uh, of the challenges that may come. Look at what Paul told young Timothy. This is from the New Living Translation. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in, in, uh, in the way you live, in your love and your faith and your purity. So he says, don't let, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Follow the Lord. Uh, next is the economical challenges. The lack of money, we could say. Uh, Luke chapter 2, 24. If you turn over there, you'll see that not only uh, did they continue to worship the Lord, they went in, and this was at the 40-day mark after Jesus was born. They were coming in, and they were worshiping the Lord, and they, they gave here an offering of sacrifice according to what the Lord the law of the Lord said, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And we look over that and we say, wow, that's kind of nice that they had worshipped the Lord. But if you go back into Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8, you'll see that it says, uh, if she is not able to bring a lamb. The sacrifice was really calling for a lamb. But it says if she's not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons as a burnt offering and the others as a sin offering. So the priest shall make an atonement for her and she will be clean. If you go over, over to Levit Leviticus chapter 5, verse 7, it clearly states that the offering that the poor could bring was the two turtle doves or the two pigeons. Wow, God made a provision for that. And so here was Mary and Joseph. By their offering, we can see that at least at this point in their life, that they were not living in a royal lifestyle by far. Uh, Jesus wasn't coming in to Pharaoh's courts like Moses got to grow up in. He was coming in and living in a very common place. Uh, Joseph, we know from the book of, Luke, book of Luke, tells us that he was a craftsman. He was a carpenter. And uh, he was a blue-collar, hard-working person. The thought of a baby now was just not according to their plan. How will we afford this baby? How will we continue? How, all these things racing through their mind. And, and any of you that have had children, you, you've raced through those thoughts. Oh, my. We're going to have a baby, but how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to live? How, how will this change our life? The third, the third challenge is the challenge of fear. The angel told them both, do not be afraid, for God is going to do this. Don't be afraid. The angel told them that. Think of Joseph, how much fear that he had. Before the angel came to him, he had to have fear that Mary had been unfaithful to him. As a matter of fact, the scripture is real plain about that, that he had that fear. Um, reputation. Uh, this is not an easy issue for Joseph. His reputation was on the line. Mary's reputation was on the line. There's so much, to, so much involved here. He says that he didn't want to cause public shame upon her. Well, the public shame of that day was so much more than it is in our day. Today, we... We, ha we understand how to deal with these issues. Back then, uh, the thought of an unfaithfulness, uh, especially in a betrothal period, was like, wow, unheard of. And it was public shame. And if you go back into the Old Testament, you'll see there was all, all kind of implications that ha could have caused a lot, a lot of pain. 
And Joseph says, I don't want that to happen. He was a just man. He was a righteous man. He cared about Mary. He wasn't trying to retaliate. He was like, wow, but if she's unfaithful, this isn't going to work. And thankfully, the angel comes to Joseph and says, she's been faithful. God is putting this baby in there. Amen? Joseph was thinking to put her away, but God had another plan. The shame was from, uh, the shame was from all the people. There were so many doubts and uh, so many things that were running around. Rumors all over the place. And sometimes, you know, for us, when we're serving the Lord, you're going to have a, a reputation issue. You might, you might associate with somebody and you say, well, I hope nobody sees me with them. But, you know, that's exactly who God wants you to reach. You know, that, that happens. We say, well, you know, I, I can't believe that, that you know, in, in our reputation. Maybe your reputation's changed because you've, you did something and it was the, the right thing to do. And somebody disagreed with you because you took the right thing and you lost a friend over it. Well, that's, that's what Mary and Joseph were dealing with. They were going and they were like, wow, we're going to do whatever God has called us to do. But this is God's work, not our work. Joseph had to marry her. It was important that she married her. I like what Merrill Unger says about the importance of Joseph marrying Mary. He says, if Jesus had been the son of Mary without her being legally the wife of Joseph, a son of Solomon, his royal claim would have been rejected from the outset. While Mary was the descendant of the house of David through the house of Nathan, and as a virgin-born child of Mary, the legal right to the throne was accepted through the marriage of Joseph. So Joseph had a lot at stake here, but their simple faith overcame the risk of reputation. So there are so many, so many risks, so many challenges that we have to deal with. We have to deal with age. We have to deal with the lack of money, fear, reputation, and there are many more challenges out there. But these are just a few that Mary and Joseph had to deal with. And they still had simple faith. It wasn't that they were some great person. It was that God was really great, and God put this baby inside of Mary. And Mary worshipped the Lord. Mary knew that the son that she was having was her Savior, and yet she was able to walk and say, Okay, God, you put this baby into me, and I will be your follower. I will worship you. The last thing in your notes this morning is that today God still uses regular people who have a simple faith in a great God. God still uses regular people who have a simple faith in a great God. God said it, I believe it, and I obey it. That's what God wants us to do. God has given you a mission in your life. God has given you a plan. He has a plan for your life. He wants to do something where you live. He wants to do something where you work. But He needs you to go along with His plan. And the greatest part of the story for me, helps me to understand this, is that this was not the story of Mary and Joseph. It wasn't their story. It was the story of Jesus. It isn't about Mary and Joseph. It's about Jesus. And the same happens to you and I when we go to serve him today. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so, so often we come in and we say, well, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to serve. And this is my expectation of my serving. And God says, you know what? I have something different for you. And as a matter of fact, you thought it was going to be easy and you thought you were going to find great joy from your serving. And in the meantime, it's going to be painful and it's going to be hard and you're going to be let down. And God says, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about me. Now, isn't that exciting? 
If you didn't know that, when you got involved in the ministries of the church, you know, they said, hey, come on, let's go, go help down at, at, at the junior church downstairs. And you're so excited. And then, then when you taught your first lesson and nobody paid attention to you, you would be really discouraged. And then after you taught the tenth lesson, they're still not paying attention. You'd be really discouraged. But it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And so God has a plan for you. I want you to think about what God may have for you this Christmas season. Maybe you're supposed to do something for a neighbor. You're supposed to go out there and care for somebody. Maybe it's something as simple as uh, shoveling the neighbor's walk today. Maybe it's something as simple as taking a plate of cookies over to, to somebody. You say, well, you know, there's a lot at stake there, right? Your reputation as a cook. Your reputation as a neighbor. Does anybody associate with that other neighbor? Uh, all these things are on the line, but God says, listen, if God puts it on your heart, he taps it on your soul, you know what you've got to do? You just do it. You obey. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Could we still be happy even if we knew the cost? Can we rejoice in God's plan even when we know that it will cost us. And I think so many times we forget, like here's Mary and Joseph. They had simple faith, but they had a lot of challenges. And in our life, we have a lot of challenges. But the story's not about us. Our simple faith has got to be in Jesus. Let's bow in prayer. This morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd just like to encourage you to have simple faith. God said it. He's going to do it. Just have, simply have faith. That confident assurance that He is going to work. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You need to have simple faith to trust Him that He died on the cross and that He came back to life again for you and He wants to give you eternal life. You can pray a prayer simple like this in the church this morning. Just quietly in your heart repeat it to the Lord. Dear God, I come before You and I know that I'm a sinner. I know that You died on the cross to pay for my sin. I accept your offer of love and forgiveness. I invite you into my heart right now, Lord. For others in the church this morning, maybe you need to take a step of simple faith. God wants you to be involved in His story. He has a place in his story for you but it's not about you you may have to face some trials some tribulations some disappointments and discouragement but in the end it's God's work and God will continue to be mighty Father God I pray for each person in this place just ask that your spirit will work in our hearts. God, guide us in your ways. Thank you for Mary and Joseph. Thank you for two people.
who knew their need of a Savior, who accepted you as their, as their Lord and followed you, Lord. Thank you for the lessons that we can learn. But we thank you most of all this morning for you. We ask that you'll help us as we grow in simple faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song, Worthy You Are Worthy. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so. And uh, let's just worship our Lord. This is the big weekend here at the church, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. Uh, please pray down the power of God, okay? Because there's going to be people here that are on the edge of eternity. And uh, we're hoping to just give them a, a touch of the Lord while they're here. Uh, I think there, let's see, a few tickets left. Uh, Pete, do you know how many tickets we have left? Yours? Alicia didn't tell you, huh? Okay. She's keeping it secret, all right? Uh, she'll tell you in the foyer. Uh, if, you, uh, if you need a few more tickets, uh, get them quick because uh, the, the neighborhood people will call in this week uh, for tickets. I think the last time I talked to her, she said she only had 30 or 40 tickets left. And I know that some people picked them up in the first service. So uh, let's, uh, let's go all out this weekend for Christ, okay? Turn around and shake hands with your neighbor. God bless you. You're dismissed.